Good afternoon. I know many of us have had a busy day already, uh, had a service this morning, had a lunch, and we're back here again. And I know the tendency is to be a little drowsy, uh, and I hope and pray that you'll uh, stick with me this afternoon as we continue to study and to look at some things pertaining to the Word of God that uh, I hope and pray will be beneficial to you in your walk with Christ. We're going to talk about a subject, and I'll just put the title up there so everybody can see it, is Are You Listening? And I think uh, for this type of afternoon service, uh, I like to teach this because you ask the question, are you listening, and people's ears automatically perk up, and I'll tell you why I do that. After the service, I'll stand at the back, and oftentimes people will come by, enjoy that lesson, good lesson, and always fight the urge to say, what was your favorite part? Or what was it that you enjoyed so much about that? And we've gotten to the stage with our two oldest boys that they have to sit in church and they have to take notes. And they've got a notepad and they can't really spell or write quite yet. But the purpose of that is that they listen. And I always ask them after the service, what did they preach about? Or what did Daddy say? Or what did Daddy preach about? And what I'm doing is I'm testing whether or not they were really listening and paying attention. So this afternoon's sermon ought to have the best attention of any of them because I'm asking you up front, are you listening? Jesus asked that very question of His disciples and those that He taught in His day. And if you turn to Matthew chapter 13, we see an example of Jesus teaching a parable to those that would listen and hear Him. And at the end of that is what we're going to focus on. But I want you to consider this afternoon the parable of the soils. And in Matthew chapter 13, we're going to begin in verse 1 says, the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed his seed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, but other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I've got an image there of a teenager with a parent, and we don't have teenagers yet. I know one day we'll get there, but I want to tell you, with a five and a six-year-old today, I feel like that's me and Elizabeth trying to make sure that our boys are listening and paying attention. And there's so many things that distract us in life that oftentimes we feel like we're fighting a losing battle. I want you to consider how Jesus feels. As He looks at the world today, and as we spoke about this morning, the religious division that's all around, and I think it grieves Jesus at His heart that people just won't listen to the pure message of His Word. I want unity in the Lord's body. And I think every single person that's in here wants unity in the Lord's body. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, when we start listening to the unadulterated Word of God, we'll have unity. When we get man's ideas out of it and we simply focus on the teachings of Jesus Christ, living in accordance with those things, organizing and worshiping those ways, we'll have unity. And I want to tell you, we have unity today. The church is unified. And sometimes it's hard to see in this world that's riddled with pluralism and the idea that you can worship any way you want to. But you know, Jesus taught this parable 
And at the very end of the parable, before he gets into the interpretation, he says, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. What did Jesus mean by that? What Jesus was saying was what I'm talking about is of great importance. Do you value the Word of God? Do you value the teachings that you can read and study and open up and have your life changed by? Or is it simply another book that lays and collects dust on your bookshelf or on your desk or on your coffee table or your nightstand? You see, the Word of God is powerful, but it's only powerful when we hear it. And when we put those things into practice. There's not a one of us that are in here today that if Jesus was here and speaking to us, wouldn't be at the edge of our seat hanging on every single word. I'll tell you, when we read and study the Word of God, it's just like Jesus standing and teaching us today. And we ought to give it that kind of attention. We ought to give it that kind of focus. We ought to exalt His Word to a proper place in our life so that it does become a part of who and what we are and we begin to reflect the teachings of the New Testament. Mark chapter 4 and verse 23 says, If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. You see, the hearers of the Word of God are the ones that not just hear the audible words that are being said, but are those that hear, understand, and put those things into practice. James says, be not a hearer of the Word only, but be a what? A doer of the Word. You see, we can evaluate whether we're listening to God and listening to the words of Christ by the kind of life that we live. And it's very evident if we're hearing Christ. I'm going to tell on myself real quick. My wife and I get home after a long day and she gets to talking about her kindergarten class and I'm into that conversation for about three minutes. (laughs) And then guess what happens? I start to say, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Really? Huh? Uh Uh-huh. And then she says, are you listening to me? And I said, well, I'm hearing you, but I'm really not listening. And then what do I have to do? I have to focus my attention on what she's saying. Do the same thing with our boys. You tell our boys to go do something, and they're on their way to go do something. They have no idea what they're on their way to do. And we stop and say, were you listening? And they say, well, we heard you, but we weren't listening. I'll tell you, a lot of people hear the Word of God, but they're not listening to the words of Christ. You and I as Christians have a duty to live according to the things that we hear. Jesus said what is being being said is of great importance and value. And I ask you to evaluate your life, consider these things, and ask yourself the question, are you listening? And I don't care how long you've been a part of the Lord's body. I don't care how many church services you've sat through. I want you to think about how good of a listener you are when it comes to God. Hebrews chapter 5. You see, essentially, the Bible describes three types of hearers. Okay, and we're going to talk about these three types of hearers. The first one being those that are dull of hearing. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 11, says, "...of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers..." You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. See, those that have become dull in their hearing 
stop progressing. They stop growing. And if you as a Christian have hit a plateau and hit a wall where you don't feel like you're growing, I would say to you, you've become dull of hearing. I want you to consider as we came around this table this morning to remember the Lord's death, what did that mean to you? Was it just another ritual that we perform because we observe the Lord's Supper every Sunday and as they did in the first century, we come around this table upon the first day of the week to remember the suffering of Christ and we check it off of a list? Or did it mean as much to you as the first time you ever partook of the Lord's Supper? I can remember the first Sunday that I got to participate and partake of the Lord's Supper. I was scared. I was nervous. I wasn't even up in front of anybody doing anything. I was sitting and just waiting for the trays to be passed to me. And I was thinking about the seriousness of what I was about to do. And now what happens? It gets passed to me and I pass it. And we kind of go through these rituals. Consider the disciples. What do you think the Lord's Supper meant to them? Those who had walked with Jesus. Those who had heard Him audibly speak and teach thousands of people. Those who had seen the miracles that He could perform. Those that had heard the message that He was going to offer Himself a sacrifice for the sins of the world and that three days later He would be resurrected from the dead. And these men saw these things with their own eyes and consider their emotion on the first day of the week. I don't think there was a first day of the week that Peter didn't have trouble with his emotions gathering around and partaking of the bread and the fruit of the vine. I consider John and Paul and all the apostles that suffered great things for Christ and I just think it might have meant just a little bit more to them than it does to us today. And it shouldn't, should it? And I know we can't go and walk with Jesus. We can't go and see with our own eyes His suffering as they did. But I want to tell you, when you pick up the Word of God and you read Matthew chapter 27 and you read the words and the descriptive nature that Matthew writes of that suffering, it ought to touch you. If it doesn't, you've become dull of hearing. It's not just your ears that are dull, it's your heart. If your heart's become hardened, your heart's become dull, and you're not listening and hearing, and you're not touched by the things of Christ, you need to reevaluate your relationship with God. A child of God that's listening and hearing and doing the will of God is going to show the evidence of that by their growth and their ability to teach others. And Hebrews says, you know, there's a time you ought to be teachers. But because you become dull in your hearing and what we've said is just falling on deaf ears, we have to come back and reteach you the very fundamentals of Christianity. What a sad state that would be. Go back to Matthew chapter 13 as Jesus gives the interpretation of that parable of the souls. And he teaches why he teaches in parables. And in verse 13, he says, Therefore speak out of them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. 
For this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted. And I should heal them. You see, conversion can't take place until the heart is ready to receive the Word of God. And as he's describing these kind of soils, he here teaches, he says, I'm teaching in parables because they're not listening, they're not hearing the message, it's not getting through to them. And could you imagine Jesus pleading with an audience of people, listen to what I'm telling you is going to happen. And even those that followed Him closely, He plainly said, we go into Jerusalem, I'm going to be murdered, I'm going to be crucified, and three days later I'm going to rise, and after He's crucified, where do the disciples go? Scatter for fear. Not knowing what was going on. Jesus plainly told them, didn't He? Don't you think Jesus was sitting there saying, I told you what was going to happen. Couldn't you listen to me? But oftentimes our ears become dull of hearing. Somebody says, I'm tired of hearing and teaching about baptism. Talk to Jesus about that. Jesus gave the great commission and said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Evidently, in the preaching of the gospel that has the power to save the souls of man, Romans 1 and verse 16, inherent in that is the teaching of baptism. Now, does every sermon need to be about baptism? Certainly not. But I venture to say, if you sit there and say, I'm tired of hearing about it, you've become dull of hearing. And you don't understand that, guess what? The church isn't all about you. Are you important? You are. Are you vital to the church and its growth? You are. But the church is focused around the teachings of Jesus Christ, not your ideas and your thoughts and your teachings and what you want to teach. And when Jesus left His disciples with a great mission to go and to baptize and teach them the way of salvation... I want my kids hearing that as often as they can hear it. I want to be reminded of that. You know, Paul in his work in his ministry oftentimes went back to Jerusalem. And guess what? The apostles there at Jerusalem rehearsed to him. The fundamental principles of the gospel. Reassuring Paul that, Paul, this is correct. (laughs) Keep going. And he'd pass through Jerusalem and Peter would have to tell him, yes, (laughs) This is the message. Go take it. Because he needed to be reassured. And sometimes we need to be reassured, don't we? But you can't be reassured if you're not willing to listen and hear. The second kind of listener that we'll discuss is that one that has itching ears. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. He says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Prophetic words of Paul. Are we seeing that today? Did they see that in the first century? That's why Paul warned Timothy of this. He said, Timothy, you're going to run into this. And you need to endure sound doctrine. Because there's coming a time where people won't want to listen to it. They won't want to hear doctrine. And they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Teachers that will tell them exactly what they want to hear. And I don't apologize for teaching things to people that they might not want to hear. If it's the truth, we need to hear it. 
And he places an emphasis on what? Sound doctrine. Doctrine's important to the Lord. And we live in a society that says doctrine really doesn't matter. Just love Jesus. And I would say if you love Jesus, you love His doctrine. If you love Jesus, you want to serve Him. If you love Jesus, you're willing to sacrifice maybe what you want and what you like to please Him because He's the one that died for you. Jesus defined our love for Him in saying, if you love Me, keep My commandments. How shallow is it for someone to tell me that they love Me, yet they never do anything to show that love to Me? You know, every night right before bed, I tell her, I love you, and she, I love you too. And we kind of roll over and go to bed. And I told her, I said, do we just say that now? Are we to the point where we just say that, or, or do we still mean that? And I know we mean it. But sometimes we have a phone conversation, love you, love you too, bye. And we just throw those words out, not considering the implications carried by those words. The Word of God means something. The Bible's not just here for us to get entertainment from and have debates and try to take it apart and, and find the intricacies of Scripture. It's here to guide us in life. It's here to instruct us on how to live a godly life so that one day when we're judged, we have the promise of eternal life. That's why the Word of God is important. That's why we can't change it and alter it to fit our needs and our desires. Or else we're no different than those that Paul warned Timothy about. Having itching ears. What does it mean to have itching ears? Number one, it's descriptive of those who only want to hear what is pleasing. I come to church and guess what? When I leave church, I want to feel good. I don't want to feel bad. But at the same time, if the preacher steps on my toes and point some things out that I might need to work on, I'm not going to be upset at that. But we live in a society that says what? Don't step on my toes. Just tell me what I want to hear. Let me do my time in church and let me walk out the door and I'll be back next Sunday. As a general rule, that's what society wants. So what they have done is they've created a system into which they hire people to come and tell them what we want to hear. As long as you tell us what we want to hear, you'll have a job, we'll take care of you. I'm going to tell you that's a far cry from the religion that Jesus had in the first century. And that He wanted set up in His church. I'm not saying we ought to feel beat down and beat up every time somebody gets up to preach. But you know, the Word of God is there to what? Reprove. To correct. And if it's there to correct something, that means something must have been wrong. And it needs to be corrected. Sometimes itching ears is descriptive of those who hear what they want to hear. My dad used to call that selective hearing. <laughs> he would tell me something, I'd say, okay, Dad. And he'd say, what did I just say? And I'd tell him, he said, that's what you wanted to hear. It's not what I said. A lot of people get that when they listen to the Word of God and they read and they study. They pick out what they want if it doesn't apply to them or they don't think it applies to them and they don't want to hear it. They just leave it to the side. Essentially, they cut that part out of their Bible and say, that doesn't apply to me. I'm an exception. And we live in a world where everybody wants to be the exception. 
If it's the words of Christ, we can't have itching ears, choosing and picking what we want. We have to take it all or you have to leave it all. The other type is those that will find teaching that fits what they want. And as we talked about, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2 says, Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. There's that word doctrine again. (laughs) Paul told Timothy what? Preach the Word. Preach the truth. There's one message. There's one way of salvation. There's one church. Teach that. Stand upon the foundation of Christ. Have the courage to say what needs to be said. Because people just want to hear what they want to hear, but that's not going to do them any good. Preach the message of Christ. And he says the Word is there to what? Reprove. Show you where you're wrong. Show you when you're in error. To rebuke. To withstand you when you're wrong. To exhort. To encourage. But too many times, we just want to pick and choose the parts of the Word of God that fit what we want to have happen. To support our pet doctrines. To support the ideas that we have come up with as man. I want to tell you, we're no different than those with itching ears. Then there's a hearer that's described in Matthew chapter 13 of one that's of a noble and good heart. He describes it also in Luke chapter 8 and verse 15. In Luke's account, he says, But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. See, that's the kind of heart that one must have before they can be converted to Jesus Christ. Now I ask the question, when was the good ground the good ground? Notice the order of things here in this parable. A sower went forth to sow, and those ground conditions were already in place before the seed was sown, correct? The good ground was the good ground before the Word of God even got to it. And that's the point. It's somebody who's truly, sincerely seeking the truth when the truth is sown into that heart and the Word of God is that seed, as we know. When it's sown into an honest and good heart, they see the truth. Their eyes open. And it brings about what? It brings about change. Doesn't it? I want to tell you, we've experienced this at home. We're good at baptizing people. We can do a five-part study and we can baptize them, but then we almost just throw them to the line sometimes and say, well, figure it out. (laughs) You know, that ground needs to continue to be worked, doesn't it? That's a good heart. It's received the Word of God and it's been converted, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be dedicated and put into that heart. And we call that discipleship. And I think that's one of the areas that I know at home we have struggled with. We're so concerned about converting and baptizing, which we ought to be. But you know, that person that we convert and baptize at some point has to be able to do what? Go out and teach others. It's not about one person doing everything, is it? And whenever you see church growth, what do you see? You see a group of people working and putting forth an effort. 
You hear about all kinds of brethren in a congregation out doing, making visits, doing Bible studies, teaching their friends, teaching their neighbors. It's never just one person. And that was the design of the Lord's church. But that noble and good heart was noble and good before the seed came into it. That's descriptive of those in Berea. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, he says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. Essentially, they said when the apostles came and they preached to these brethren in Berea, they received it, they accepted it, but then they said what? We're going to check this out. We're going to measure it against the standard of the Word of God and see if it's true or not. And if it is, that's what we're going to go by. But if it's not, we will reject it. That speaks to us today. That we ought to be ready to receive the Word of God into our heart, but we have to put it to the test, don't we? You don't accept something just because somebody gets up and says it, do you? No. We try the Spirit's. We try and we study and we see what was it that they were talking about. Is that true or is that not? And we measure it just like the brethren at Berea. And you imagine them telling Paul or one of the apostles, it's, yeah, we receive that, but we're going to study it according to the Scriptures and see. We're going to try that. And Paul commended them for that. He said they were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in Thessalonica because they did those things. You see, being a good listener brings about great blessings. Communication is a two-way street, isn't it? You've got someone who is speaking or communicating a message, and you've got someone on the other end that is listening, that is paying attention, and at the same time is What? going through their mind, trying to attain what is this person trying to say. But you know, when we listen to the words of Christ, there are blessings to be had. And in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 16, He says, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear, and have not heard them. Do not take the Word of God for granted. How passionate are you about the Word of God? How often do you study? How often do you read? How often do you meditate and consider and think about the things of God? If you have to speak on Sunday, do you wait till about Wednesday? I know y'all have a policy, y'all got to submit your notes ahead of time. That's good. But if you're going to speak, and is that the only time that you study? Is when you're going to put a lesson together? Men? Or are we studying and teaching every day of our life? You see, at the beginning, when we first became Christians, and I want you to think about your life, and when you obeyed the Gospel, and how excited you were to open up your Bible and to read and to study, because every time you did, you got something new. When did that stop? When did that slow down? Well, when life got busy, I understand. But how important it is, is it to you to listen to the Word of God? 
how important is it for you to be able to hear instruction that will help you in your life? How important is it for you to dedicate time to the Lord? If it's important enough to you, you'll put in the time and you'll make the time necessary to do it. No matter what else is going on, and then you'll be able to say you are a true listener of Christ. And you'll receive blessings for that. And that's what Jesus he said. Your eyes are blessed. Your ears are blessed. You know why? Because you're hearing and seeing the things that others have desired to see and weren't able to see. For whatever reason, many people have dull ears. They have blinded eyes. But your eyes have seen and your ears have heard. Don't take that for granted. And be thankful for the opportunities that you have in the Lord's body. You see, listening produces something. Luke 8 and verse 15, he says, But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. So another test to see if you have been a good listener of Christ is to look at the fruit that you've produced in your life. Is your life any different today than it was the first day you became a Christian? It better be. Is your life different today than it was when you lived in the world? It better be. Or you haven't listened to Christ. Have you brought forth anything positive? And we're a numbers-based society. We look for increase in numbers. We think of growth in numbers, and I agree. But it's not always talking about how many people you've personally had an influence in in converting to Christ. I think that is fruit. That's not the only fruit that he's talking about. Are you a better husband since you met Christ? Are you a better father? A better wife? A better mother? A better child of God? If you're not, I would urge you to consider whether you've listened to God at all. Because Jesus said if you've heard it in a good and honest heart, guess what? It's going to bring forth fruit. You can't stop from producing fruit when you truly listen to God. And Jesus made that very clear throughout His ministry, didn't He? Everywhere He went, did He convert every person? No. He converted some everywhere He went though. And that was the message He told the disciples. He said, you go and you teach. And you bring forth fruit. And if some reject you, guess what? You just keep on going and produce fruit wherever you're at. Wherever you can. And the church was an unstoppable force in the first century. And today we sit here in Amarillo, Texas and Gallatin, Texas and say, what can we do to reach people? What can we do? It starts with each of us being a hearer of the Word. And not a hearer only, but a doer of the Word. Colossians 1 and verse 5. He says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the Gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. He says, when you heard it, it brought about a change. That change brought about what? Fruit. It produced something good in your life and it produced something good in the lives of those that are around you. I do part-time work at a state-run mental hospital in Rusk, Texas. 
And we treat people with varying diagnosis from schizophrenia to manic depressant bipolar disorder to severe depression. And most of these people don't have a chance. They've committed a crime and they're not guilty by reason of insanity or they're not competent to stand trial. And my role at that hospital is I'm the assistant chaplain. And those people are looking for some kind of hope. And I talk to them and I say, well, did you ever go to church? No. Did your mom and dad ever read the Bible? Well, I never knew my dad and mom was doing this and that. And I said, did anybody ever talk to you about God? No. And we sit in a comfortable building, in comfortable chairs, Bibles readily accessible, songbooks with beautiful written songs, PowerPoint projectors, pulpits, and we're too lazy to do anything. And you've got people who've never been told anything about God in their entire life who have no hope. And I sit there and I talk with them and I say, well, can I visit with you about God? Well, sure. And we teach them how to cope with life through the Bible and what the Bible teaches about those things. And in doing that, sometimes we have the opportunity to teach the Gospel. I want to tell you, a lot of those people hang on every word that we read. And we read that parable of the sower that many of us have heard hundreds of times and they're sitting there, wow, that's amazing. And I say, well, what's so amazing about it? And he says, well, if I'll hear and I'll obey God, I can change. Now, there are certain aspects of their illness they'll never be able to change, but they have glimpses and times where they're there and they say, I want to change. And sometimes we're too proud to admit that we need to change, aren't we? And the reason I ask the question, are you listening, is sometimes we just get too comfortable. And the message doesn't mean as much as it did one time in our life. I can tell you the first gospel sermon I ever heard was Brother D. Teal in Coleman, Oklahoma. And he preached on the blood of Christ. And I, can, I could preach that sermon right now. And I was 16 years old. First Church of Christ service I ever walked into that I was aware of at that time. And I tell Dee every time I say, I'm thankful for you preaching that sermon. I wasn't baptized that night, but about three years later I was. And I tell him, you know, I heard you. <laughs> I heard what you were saying, and I knew there were things in my life that needed to change. And luckily I had the time and the ability to make those changes with the Lord's help. But now some 16 years later, does the message mean the same to me as it did back then? I hope it does. But sometimes we just get too comfortable. When you hear the Word of God, it's going to produce something. And if it's not producing anything, you're not hearing the same message of the Gospel that Jesus preached. <coughs> Matthew chapter 10 talks about hearing helps us to avoid condemnation. He says, "...and whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words..." When you depart out of that house or the city, shake off the dust of your feet. 
Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. It's pretty tough judgment, isn't it? It's going to be better in that day for Sodom and Gomorrah than for the people who reject what? The preaching of the gospel. And I know it was sometimes we arrogantly say, well, they just didn't want to hear it. I'm going to dust my shoes off and go somewhere else. And I want to tell you, that's the wrong attitude to have. We ought to be willing to dust our feet off, but it should not be in an arrogant manner. It ought to be with sorrow in our heart that that person at this time is not receiving salvation. But once again, I urge you and plead with you to understand you're not going to convert every person you talk to. And if that's your expectation, you're going to be let down and you're going to stop being productive altogether. But to convert anybody, you've got to talk to somebody and be willing to do those things. But being a hearer of the Word of God and a one that does those things helps us to avoid the condemnation that's coming. One final passage I want to look at is found in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 33, starting in verse 30. He says, Also thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses, and speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song, or of one with a pleasant voice, and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do not do them. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. He said there was a time that Ezekiel's talking about that people came to hear the Word of God, but it was no different than going to a concert. It was no different than going and seeing a show. And they said, oh, we love these words. We love to hear them. We love to read them. But he said, they don't do them. And he said, they're not a hearer. They're listening for entertainment. And a lot of people go to church today to listen to entertainment. Is that you? Are you here to receive the instructions of the Word of God that can bring about change, that can bring about a better life for you and a better life for your family and a better life for everybody that you're associated with? I've yet to meet a Christian that was truly converted that would sit there and say, you know what, my life's worse since I became a Christian. I mean, everything's perfect, but they have things that they didn't have before, don't they? And all of it came about, why? Because they were willing to listen to the Word of God. The message is yours this afternoon. And I ask you to honestly consider your life and your relationship with God. If you've been a hearer of the Word, if you've been one that's put those things into practice, or have you been going through the motions? We can go through the motions for our whole entire life and never be truly converted to Christ. I'm going to tell you that's empty and meaningless. On the day of judgment, the Lord will reject that. But hear the Word of God. Hear the teachings of Christ. Take those things in and let those things change who you are and make you into what God desires for you to be His child. 
So on the day of judgment, you stand before Him. He sees the blood of Christ cleansing you. And He tells you to come in to that kingdom that's been prepared for you from the foundation of the world and dwell with Him for all of eternity. Any greater words that we could hear than to enter in, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear on the day of judgment. And you can have that opportunity today. If you've never been baptized into Christ, the Bible teaches the message of salvation through hearing the Word of God, believing that Jesus is the Son of God, being willing to repent of the things that you've done in the past, confessing that Jesus is the Lord, and then being buried with Him in baptism. And after you've taken those steps, you have salvation. You've laid hold on eternal life. You've made your calling and election sure. And from that day forward, you have the promise of heaven. If you need to do that today, we would plead with you to make that choice. Submit to your Lord in baptism. Become His child. And He'll provide for you for the rest of your life. If you're here and you are a child of God, but you haven't been listening lately... See, Revelation 2 and 10 says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. It's not a one-time decision. It's a lifelong pursuit. And if you've not been as faithful as you need to be, you're not hearing the Word of God the way you ought to, you're not putting those things into practice, and you know that, let me tell you who else knows it. The Lord above knows that. And He's pleading with you to open your ears and open your eyes to the truth and return to Him to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And if we can help you this afternoon with prayer to restore you to the fold of God, we would love to have that opportunity. Come and have a seat on the front pew while we stand and sing.